Welcome, Cass. Uh, thank you for being with us today. Uh, it's exciting to get this podcast up and running. Uh, we've had you speak at one of our statewide events, and we just, um, you know, every, everybody has something wonderful to say uh, about your presentation that day and uh, about uh, reaching out to young Republicans and young voters and getting them involved uh, with everything that's happening in the state of Missouri. So uh, we've asked you to be our guest on the podcast because I know everybody is going to want to see you. I know they listen to you uh, on your own podcast, uh, and, and we love it, uh, Uncommon Sense with Cass. Uh, and I know those that live in the Springfield area love hearing you on the radio as well. So welcome today, Thank Cass. you so much for having me, and thank you for listening to Uncommon Sense. Um, I That's a passion project of mine because like there's not enough young people right now willing to be bold about what they believe in if they aren't towing the line of social justice warrior and mm -hmm. all of the alphabet soup mafia and so I always appreciate the support um because it's something I feel strongly needs to be heard as young voices willing to speak out for that I agree I agree it's so important because you know we uh in every generation transfer um the next um, fight, uh, if we want to call it that, we we transfer that next fight to the next generation, right? Uh, and uh, we don't. I know we all don't want to fight all the time, uh, but you know, protecting these innocent little lives uh, seems to be a battle all the time. Yeah, and I'm sure it's scary right now to think about passing the torch to the next generation because my generation seems to be particularly, um, particularly less and less conservative minded. I mean, there's just, it, it's like every generation, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And there's more and more outspoken young people on the other side. And it's like, okay, well, who are we going to pass it down to? Because there's not very many to pass it down to right now. Right. So right. I see it. Yeah. I'm sure you guys do too. Yeah. And, um, you know, Missouri's a very conservative state. Uh, I believe that uh, I, I think we live in the greatest state in the United States uh, because we work to keep, you know, Missouri conservative for all of our conservative right. values. And it's conservative right now because of our largely our rural population. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, what we're seeing is our rural population is aging out and the young people are flocking to Kansas City, St. Louis um, inner city Springfield and there's a lot of them in those hubs that are super blue and so what's you know the conservative identity of the state is aging and aging and aging and it makes me think man I hope that we can preserve that identity longer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree I agree um, you know because we we both know as as those across Missouri that are involved in Missouri politics a lot of times Kansas City and St. Louis uh, are the ones, you know, with Springfield and Columbia that are deciding our, our you know, who's going to be our next leaders. Uh, and so we, we need to be changing hearts and minds uh, and letting people know, especially the young generation, that we care about them. Uh, we care about what's happening in their everyday lives uh, and that we want to help them in any way that we can. And I, and I know that Missouri Right to Life is working um, on, a, you know, a package of, of podcasts uh, that really just tell people stories uh, how, and uh, how important it is uh, to let people know that every life has an impact. 
uh, and uh, and they affect people every day that 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 we all come in contact with. We all uh, you know have an impact on other people. Um, we then that could be good or bad, and we have to make those choices and make those decisions to be a good influence. Uh, and you know just share that you know life is not easy. Um, you know things come at us all in all walks of life. And uh, so we're sharing stories to show that, you know, people encounter things in their lives, uh, but at the same time, they overcome them and they, be- they can become, uh, you know, great, powerful witnesses for other people. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, my story has not been easy my whole life, and it's only by the grace of God that I am doing what I'm doing, that I'm married and have a baby on the way. Um, I, I was not always on that trajectory. And there was a lot of things that should have set me on a different course. And um, God is good that he can turn any situation, even the most, um, even the most horrible situations. And, you know, we apply that to a lot of times like birth stories Uh, and he can turn any situation for good, Mm -hmm. um, which is something I think is incredible that you guys are wanting to share is those stories of redemption. Um, Mm -hmm. Because my biggest thing that I believe with the pro-life movement Um, When it comes to people who are even on the right and try to argue for exceptions, you know, exceptions for this, exceptions for that, is tell me a story that's so heinous that God can't redeem it because you can't convince me it's out there. Right. Uh, I I absolutely agree. You know, God's in uh, redemption business. Yeah. And uh, and we need to just let people know that um, there there is help for them in whatever situation. And those in the pro-life movement are here to help in any way that we can. And uh, we work on that, uh, you know, every day uh, through the legislature, through changing hearts and minds, uh, you know, in communities. Uh, And so I so I I wanted people to hear your story because I think you have a powerful story uh, about your life and how you've overcome so many things uh, and, uh, you know, and that you've impacted so many people. And now you have a new baby on the way. Uh, and you're building that baby story too. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, some people have maybe already heard this um, down in the Springfield area, but for the whole state of Missouri, um, kind of who I am. So I am 24, was born in 1999, and I um, had the privilege of growing up in a great two-parent household, homeschooled, conservative Christian, but um, had you just heard how I came into this world, you would never have guessed that that was possible. So I was born, um, from a 13 year old's womb. She, um, might've even been 12 when she got pregnant. Um, so she was like a a true child. I mean, I look at 13 and 14 year olds right now and I, I don't see teenagers really per se. I don't see high school students. I see kids who are in that awkward middle school, um, you know, just figuring out who they are phase of life. Definitely not even like a teen pregnancy situation. That's a child, mm-hmm. right? So she, um, she was raped by a 16 year old on a date, date raped. Um, and I can't imagine it was probably her first date. I mean, at 13 years old, I wasn't even allowed to have a cell phone at that age. I don't know about you. <laughs> oh, well, cell phones. All right. But um, that situation 
turned into, you know, school, like a school nurse or a teacher or somebody offering to help her, uh, you know, seek an abortion because a lot of people would say, oh, a child who is raped, there's no redeeming that. That's a horrible situation. Um, her life is over. The baby's life is not, she, but the, the baby's not going to thrive. They're going to either end up in foster care or prison or whatnot. Like all the things that they say about what a, what a child's life is going to become who's born in a situation like that. Like that's what she was told. And because of my um, parents, my adopted parents, their friends who were her youth pastors, because of the way God used them, she decided to choose life despite a horrible situation and go through the adoption process. And um, what's incredible about that is her life has turned out to be very fulfilling on its own. Um, one of the things that when I'm talking with people about exceptions for rape and incest and all of that, these things is that they say, you know, pro-life people only care about the baby surviving but not thriving after birth. Additionally, they say that pro-life people only care about um, the baby and not the mother's well-being after birth, mm -hmm. which I don't agree with at all because, like I said earlier, there's no situation too severe. God can't redeem it. So she now is a Navy veteran married with like six kids. So she's doing great mm -hmm. because God redeemed the situation because God was invited into that situation through a youth pastor who intervened and didn't shame her, but offered her genuine assistance and help to overcome a horrible situation. And because of that, I'm alive today and I was blessed with a two parent household, two brothers that I don't share blood with, but are my brothers. Um, and she's went on, you know, Navy veteran, six kids, husband. It's a success story that can happen for anybody who is willing to choose the difficult, but ultimately correct path of life. Um, and I just think it's a shame that so many women are told the lie that crisis pregnancy is an automatic death sentence for your livelihood. It's an automatic end of the road for any hope you have for a thriving future or a fulfilled life, um, both for the baby and for the mother, that there's no hope out there. But the message of pro-choice is packaged very beautifully. Uh, oh, it's just, it's your body, your choice, empower women, blah, 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 blah. But it's really not a message of hope at all. It's a message of no hope. It's a message mm -hmm. saying you're incapable of this. There's nothing you can do to succeed. And the only solution to any of these situations is to terminate your pregnancy and to end the life of a, a baby. And they're told that, you know, they're never going to go to college, that America's so evil that it's set up you're going to fail in life because you'll never be able to afford child care. You'll never be able to do this. That baby's going to end up in foster care. You're never going to have a happy life. Like that's, that's not hopeful. That's not positive at all. Even though, right. even though they want you to think that it's the positive, but it's not. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Instead of, you know, helping people 
take the life of their baby. People need to be helping women and, and these young minors who are in difficult situations um, to choose life. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, I'm sure your mom, um, uh, that as you got to know her, has been blessed just in getting to know you and, yeah. and how you've thrived um, through all of this turmoil that, that uh, you, you found out your life was. Um, and then also having the, the privilege of having an adoptive family. For yeah. sure. For sure. And, you know, the thing is, um, they don't want to hear of success stories. Mm -hmm. People on the pro-choice side, um, it's like if you came to them and you were like, hey, look at this really positive outcome of a horrible situation. Can you imagine being the type of person who would look at a positive story and think, no, I don't even want to hear that mm -hmm. because it goes against what mm -hmm. I believe. Mm -hmm. That's selfish, first of all, because if you were really pro-choice, that's also a choice. Mm -hmm. And they don't want you to choose that choice. Let's be real. Because you get into some of these conversations with people and you find out what they really think. Um, I'm convinced, and this could be controversial, I'm convinced that some people, more than we think, on the pro-choice side, care less about getting mothers out of crisis pregnancies and more about ensuring that there are less children brought into the world. Mm -hmm. I'm convinced that there is just this like dark evil that's happening in our world right now that wants to see birth rates go down, wants to see less two-parent households with fathers in the home, and they think somehow that's going to get them to this, like, socialist utopia where, you know, I think it ties into the climate change agenda. I think it ties into a lot of things that are all working together. And so many people in the pro-choice movement, they... Are they say that they're passionate about saving women from crisis pregnancies, but look at what most abortions really are. They're abortions of convenience, not necessarily even abortions out of crises. They're 19, 20 year olds who have chosen to not take responsibility for their own adult choices. Mm -hmm. Anybody I've known that has gotten an abortion, it's an abortion out of convenience and not quote unquote necessity. And again, I don't even believe in abortions of necessity. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that there are medically necessary abortions either. Right. And, and right. And, and, and I think statistics show that, uh, you know, abortion is really not necessary. You can save the life of the mother and the baby. Yeah. Uh, and, and then if you also go back to, uh, the belief and the knowledge, uh, the scientific fact that life begins at conception, uh, you know, then, then you're going to work to protect both the mom and the baby. Right. Because let's talk about what an abortion really is. There's a difference between having to end a pregnancy early and doing everything in your power to preserve the life of that baby and that mother. Mm -hmm. That's different than what an abortion is. An abortion is do everything you can to ensure that that, that child's life ends. Right. There is no. I mean, look at some of the ballot initiatives that are being proposed right now where it would like outlaw 
if a baby was born alive, any medical intervention. So give me even that pro-choice moral argument for that to be right. They can't. No, they can't. Because they want that child's life to end. They don't want there to just be simply saving mothers from crisis pregnancies. Mm -hmm. They want to end the life of the child, but they won't go there. They won't say that. But have you noticed some young people, some like young pro-abortion protesters are getting really bold and starting to just say, well, I'll say it. Yeah, I don't care if the baby's life ends. I don't value that life. Um, I had a friend who, I say friend, I have somebody I know from college. She got an abortion mm-hmm. and she went across state lines into Illinois to do so. And I um, was friends with her on a social media platform, Snapchat. And what I saw her posting that day was what I think the definition of sickening, hateful, evil is. So she was posting Snapchats that said, hashtag fetus deletus, like trying to be all cutesy about it. Yeah. Trying to make some sort of like tagline saying thing. Um, just being flippant. So I think that the farther along we go in the social acceptance of abortion, because abortion went from being taboo, then, you know, accepted, now celebrated. Mm-hmm. We're in the celebrated phase mm-hmm. where young people my age, they don't care about pretending that it's like a, a medically necessary thing, saving mothers out of crisis pregnancies anymore. They're bold and they're flippant about it. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, yeah, kill my kid. I don't care. It's, you know, circle of life. Like yeah. they're flippant right? and dis- disregarding of life. And that's a line that I didn't know we could cross. Um, but Gen Z is crossing it. Yeah. I think, I think over time we've seared our consciences yeah. so much. I mean, in early stages of the abortion supporters, uh, you know, they, they said it was a clump of cells. They called the baby a clump of cells. Right. Um, when, um, you know, ultrasounds uh, came out and they became more and more clear that it was not a clump of cells, that this was a little baby forming from the very point of conception, um, they had to come up with a different uh, strategy. And they went to, it's my body, my choice. And reality was then they began to take uh, the, um, the life of that baby out of the picture totally. And then it became all about convenience. Uh, it's become all about, I don't care. Uh, and it's all about me. Yeah. And almost the same argument for euthanasia, right? Mm-hmm. right. So there are those that would admit it, you know, it might be a life. Um, they'll admit that, but they'll say, it's humane to terminate their life because what kind of life would they have in said scenario? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they've started to come up with every excuse in the book to justify that it's, it's humane argument, right? So right. that, and that's how we've gotten so far as to see people in New York and some other states that would argue for abortion, partial birth abortions and abortions up until the moment of birth and Mm -hmm. further extremists who would argue for terminating a child's life up until what I've I've seen up to two years. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a euthanasia argument. Right. And I think that the reason we've gotten this far is because 
we have conceded on little things that we thought, okay, they really can't go any farther than that. They can't go any farther than that. Then they do. And it's like you give an inch, they take five miles. Mm-hmm. And we've got to stop doing that because that's why we've gotten to this point. There are people that are God-fearing Christians, like hardcore right-wing Republican conservative voters, politicians who would argue for exception A, exception B, exception C, not realizing that that's how they've gotten us. That's Mm -hmm. how we've hung ourselves with the amount of rope we've given. You can't have that. You can't give an inch because they will take five miles and they have. So I look at politicians who might be good people, right? People that are respected and largely agree with us on a lot of things. But then on this one thing, they're soft on it. I I, I don't have tolerance for it. Right. And some people yeah. tell me, Cass, you're being too extreme. Cass, you know, you're you're stopping the football from moving all the way down the field because you're stopping any yardage from being gained because you won't concede on this or this or this. Like, let's just get the football 10 more mi- meters down the down the football field that that's a fair argument for taxation that's a fair argument for so many other Uh political uh, (laughs) political things but human life is not a political bargaining chip right and i know that's an unpopular opinion for so many people especially the city we're sitting in jefferson city uh let alone washington dc that's not a popular opinion you're an abortion abolitionist you're an extremist you're stopping any progress from being made because you won't let this happen. And my thing is, is I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> it's human life. It's right. human life. Yes. Period. End of story. We have to make a stand, right? Uh, because these babies don't have a voice, uh, yeah. and we have to be their voice. Yeah. Uh, when we look at things that are happening in Missouri and what could happen in the in the near future, uh, you know, we have to make sure that uh, that the right for women to have informed consent. Uh, that they have all the information in front of them is not taken away, uh, that the abortion industry doesn't get the right to deceive women uh, or young ladies or in our... perform procedures on you in the hospital and not tell right. you out of right. scientific research. Yep. There is so much more to those ballot initiatives than people mm-hmm. realize. It's not like simply abortion. It's more than that. Yeah, and if you're protecting... I mean, if, the, if you protect uh, the person who is doing the abortion... From you as a as a young woman having any kind of recourse to go back and say, "Hey, you you uh, you know you perforated my uterus, you harmed me in this procedure, uh, and I need to have some recourse," or you know not being able to prosecute uh, the rapist uh, that takes a woman to the abortion clinic, uh, or uh, the perpetrator of incest, uh, or the human trafficker, uh, not having any recourse on going back and and holding them accountable for what they're doing. Uh, to women and to minors in our community. You know, we've, we've got to stand up for Missouri uh, and make sure women get the truth and they know that they know that they have help uh, and we, have, we can provide that for them. Uh, so we want to be sure that people are encouraged uh, to call Missouri Right to Life uh, at our state office at 573-635-5110 uh, and watch Cass on her podcast and listen to her uh, because every life matters um, and every life is important. We all have an impact uh, that we can make, 
Uh, and, uh, you know, um, this is kind of one of those uh, looking back in time, and, and some of our listeners might not know uh, the Jimmy Stewart movie, It's a Wonderful Life, and how he encountered, um, you know, and had the opportunity in the movie, of course, uh, to see what life would, what the world would have been like without him. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you've ever thought about that, um, you know, but uh, we all have stories uh, and life stories of, you know, different things that we encounter uh, and difficult circumstances, but uh, we all make an impact uh, in the world. And, and I, I believe we're all here because God has a plan for all of us mm-hmm. uh, and a plan for us to be able to share uh, the truth with those that we come in contact with. And uh, it's really cool when we get that glimpse uh, where, we're, where we are making a difference. I've seen it uh, in uh, young women who have been brought to testify in support of abortion uh, in these Senate hearings. And uh, at the end of them, they change their testimony, not necessarily to support the pro-life issue, uh, but to really, you know, take a step back and think about what it is they're talking about. Um, and then, you know, at one of our rallies at the Capitol, there was one young lady came up and she was protesting with those who support abortion. And she said, can I talk to you? And I said, absolutely, yes. I said, why? Yes. And she said, well, they told me I couldn't, I should never talk to a pro-life person. Um, you know, I, I shouldn't talk to you for sure. And I said, well, I can tell you, you can talk to me anytime. And so, you know, pro-life people are compassionate, caring people. Uh, and we just want to let people know that, um, you know, talk to us. Let us know what you're going through. Uh, we'll try to help any way we can uh, and help you get back on your feet, help you choose life for your baby because it's going to be healthy for you. It's going to be life for that baby. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, who, what the babies that are lost over all these years of Roe that was wrongly decided, um, you know, what is our world without them? Mm-hmm. We'll never know, uh, you know, the impact that they could have given uh, to us um, and our society. So I'm glad your mom chose life uh, and that you're here uh, with us today and, and for your story uh, and for your willingness to share it with um, everybody out in Missouri or anybody that looks at any podcast, any that you do or any that we do. Um, we're just excited that you're here and that you're about to give life to you, uh, to your new little one. So, um, any, uh, you want to share anything about your Facebook or your, um, yeah. So, um, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is at producer underscore cast. I may change that at some point because the <laughs> producer cast thing came about when I started in, um, talk radio several years ago. I'm on KWTO in Springfield. Keep watching the Ozarks. Uh-huh. Um, and, they, my my name my nickname became producer cast because I was the producer of the morning show, and I still am the producer of the morning show, the executive producer of KWTO. And then a year or so into that job, they gave me my own show, and eventually I need to change it to just you know I have a new last name now. And because we are having a baby right after getting married, right? Like we got married, got pregnant right away, having a baby. To this day, can you believe I still haven't gone and like gone through the process of legally changing my name? Oh boy. It seems so overwhelming <laughs> to go to the social security office. Yeah, there's that. a lot so, that goes with it. Yeah. But right now um, on Twitter, it's producer underscore cast. And I share a lot of my more bold opinions on that platform because it's mm-hmm. set up for that. Um, but you can catch me Cassidy Bowen Anderson on Facebook, um, Cassidy and Anderson on, on Instagram. Um, and 
Well, you know where what I'll do? I'll share my email because I love to hear listener feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, CassidyBoneAnderson at gmail.com is where a lot of listeners will email me um, their thoughts. And sometimes we get into really good conversations. Um, and I'm always willing to talk with people who agree or disagree with me. In fact, I love it to talk to people who disagree with me because uh, society has lost the art of civil discourse. Right. Don't you think? Right. I think so, too. Yeah. And so respectful disagreement and the exchanging of ideas and the willingness to change your mind or to um, put yourself in somebody else's shoes to understand where other people are coming from. I think that's just such a lost art. Um, and so anytime I get the opportunity to engage in that, it's mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah. I, I mean, you can't really know people's story if you don't talk to them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, people just meet uh, with, yeah. are met with anger these days. Yeah. And immediate dismissal without the consideration of where they're coming from. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Cass, for coming uh, today. It's been a joy. It's a joy to know you. Uh, And I would encourage everybody to go to Cass's uh, website and all of her information and uh, have a conversation. Uh, And we uh, would encourage you to come back and tune in with us at Missouri Right to Life uh, and our life moments uh, as we share stories about how every life matters. Uh, and that we care about you. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Cass. And thank you for joining us today.